you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. I'm late. I'm late. For a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com the Around the NFL podcast is now on PETA's radar. What? Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis coming to you from a virtual room filled with heroes. Mark Zessler, Eric Tamposi, Greg Rosenthal. What's up, people? We're, we're animal lovers. What is that? What is that bit? I I don't know. I don't I even know. Think it might Ricky's be... the only one with a with an actual pet, but maybe that's maybe that's kind to animals. Cause I think oh, it was when we, we were dark gunning tentacles, you know. Yeah, Erica's got. We've we've been we've been virtually shooting tigers uh, with uh, tranquilizer darts. So I guess if you, especially yeah, especially with Ricky, who uh, really as oh don't Ricky's put this on do, me, um, fired way more tranks into. The furry creatures than necessary. I get why maybe somebody mm. would be hot on our tail now. Well, it's dangerous. <laughs> the the tranquilizers in the Bengals lair. Uh, one got loose on Sunday. It hit Randy Bullock like right before he was going to kick that field. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Randy. That's thank you for bringing that up, Greg. Because uh, Randy Bullock knows this already because we sent him a fax. Uh, a in, what do they call those? What do they call in the old days when you get sent something like a telegram? Telegram. Bullock got a telegram that he was um, effective Sunday afternoon banned from the kicker club for life. <laughs> because it's one thing to miss a kick, but to phantom grab at your calf uh, and then find out the next day that, you know, he's fine. That is the one thing you can't do as a kicker. You just can't you can't fake an injury. You just got to wear it. And it's we're going to get into it was kind of a woeful week for kicking, and I have that sandwich prop hanging out there about Kai Forbath. I needed to get on a team and then kick a big field goal at the end of a game. Jeez, if, Ka- if Kai does not it. find his way onto a roster this year after what we saw in week one, it's just not going to happen. Mm. Steven Guskowski, my goodness. We're going to get into that. Yeah. We're, we're going to get yes. into Monday Night Football. Uh, we're going to preview Thursday night, uh, the Browns and Bengals. Buckle up, Sizzler. And also, coming off the action in week one, we're going to uh, play a game called Panic or Chill. Chill, brah. 
based on week one <laughs> subplots. Mark, uh, what were you going to say? No, nothing at this point. I think it's a it's a meaty show. Let's proceed. <laughs> all right. Else to say. Mark's all business with that haircut here. Either that or he's you know, um, no, joining I tr- the Marines. I, no, I tried to sneak in a haircut at you know right before the show started, and it, it was not my greatest moment of um, time management of all times. So the haircut occurred like 20 miles from here. So hmm. I know. notice things. I feel like in another life I've could I could have worked in law enforcement as a detective of some kind because no, most people don't realize that Mark has got a little different look going on. I think he told his barber that he's fond of uh, to give me a little bit of a fade on the sides. That's new. Usually oh. it's a little more full on the sides. You're, you're asking for the fade. You're doing like the kids do, and good for you, bro. You know what? I can I be really honest, and I'll yeah. keep this under twenty seconds. The price of the haircut. I'm very loyal to the wonderful person that cuts my hair, but yeah, the price are. has raised. Um, you know, during Corona times, and I understand this significantly. So I didn't suggest anything, but I think there's something subconscious going on where she is cutting people's hair, guys' hairs, um, a little <laughs> tighter to the to the head, so that you don't have to come back. You know, you get an extra week on yeah. that. On that. I, I thought give you a little more is. style as a, you know at least give you your money's worth. I, that is a terrible I, I, theory, Mark. I, I haven't asked for anything different, so I, maybe I'm not you know explicit enough about what I should be asking. So for. you sit down good. and you're just like the regular jazz. Yeah, I mean she's cut my hair like it's she's cut my hair like yeah, she has. 45 times. Well, you know when you find a good one, here's the thing: find Can't a good go. one, stick. I with thought it Simone when you, was a good one. Uh, apparently, not good enough. Not a not a cutting hair, not that I know of. But I mean, if you suddenly get a bad haircut, you're like, I don't need to go to the same person. And then like this wild card does a hack job. You're stuck with with it for three weeks as a oh, guy. It's I a got I got hacked um, three days before my senior prom. Total <laughs> hatchet job by this uh, very very um, severe tall Russian woman that looked like uh, Brigitte Nelson from Rocky Four, and I should have seen it coming because you know. She looked like Brigitte Nielsen from Rocky Four. Didn't pay the price. That's the only reason I had a bad time at my senior prom. My hair. There could be no other reason why. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Thanks we got so much. We got a lot to get to, but let us start with some Monday Night Football and the early game up first: Steelers Giants from the Meadowlands. Second and three. Fake the handoff. Jones looping to the left. Jones. The ball is fluttered in the air and it's intercepted. Daniel Jones did not have anything on it. Cameron Hayward with the pick, and the Giants' drive dies. And so did the Giants' chances of winning their opener. Ian Eagle with the call for Westwood 1. 19-play drive by the Giants in the third quarter, a drive that if they got over the goal line would have put them in the lead. Instead... Steelers take over. They take it home. Final score, 26-16 to in Big Ben's return to the starting lineup and a successful return it was. Uh, Mark, we have wondered, or we wondered often last year, what that Steelers team could be like with a top-shelf defense and a competent quarterback. Well, it looks like we're about to find out. I think we're looking at, you know, barring uh, utter chaos, a, a playoff team. I mean, and that's sort of what the Steelers – in, in most seasons have been when Big Ben's around. And last year was a complete aberration. That team still crept to 8-5 and five before the wheels fell off. What I saw last night, and, you know, Greg, um, you mentioned this, that the Steelers uh, treat training camp 
like a brutal exercise where you get into shape and you get ready for football through physical contact. And there are a bunch of teams out there that engage in studies that say, no, we don't want to do contact. We're going to go in the opposite direction. I love their approach. The defense looked like it was ready to fine tune for week 10. And it was, you know, when it's not Bud Dupree, it's uh, TJ Watt. I mean, the pressure that they put on the Giants was incredible. I really like Daniel Jones and things that I see, but you don't like any quarterback dealing with some of the pressure that he had to deal with. And your your offense is built also around Saquon Barkley, who had, I mean, this is, I don't know if this will happen again. It's a little Saquon-y, um, in, but he had 15... Fifteen attempts for six yards. The Giants were held to twenty-four yards on the ground. This defense goes in and just wipes teams away. And when you have the offense making the plays, it was with Big Ben and a whole cast of. Of course, the Steelers have to find two new viable wide receivers a year, or they're not. The front office has been asleep. Um, it's a it's a big problem for other teams in the AFC and the NFC East this season. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you said, and I think this was one of the most fascinating games of Week 1 because I, I do think it told us some things, and, and the biggest thing it told us is that Roethlisberger, as long as he's healthy, he's going to be fine. And, and I am someone that wanted to see it. I, I don't think it took him the whole first half to warm up, which kept being like the talking point after the game on ESPN, and I saw it elsewhere. It's like, well, it took him a little while to warm up. It's like... I don't know. Maybe the announcer said that, and then everyone started copying. On the second drive of the game, you know, they went three and out first drive, run, run, and uh, they got some pressure. Second drive of the game, on third down, he's getting crunched, going to his third read, Juju Smith-Schuster, and delivers a beautiful ball hitting Juju in stride on third down. I mean, that's one of the best third and longs I saw a week. Two, three plays later, he hits Chase Claypool 30 yards up the field to the opposite uh, hash mark, and and, uh, Mark, I know you tweeted out, it's just like, well, here comes another one of those Steelers wide receiver draft picks off the assembly line, and on and on. I thought if you put together, like, the best seven throws, let's say, from Ben's night, I think it's up there with any quarterback that played this week, not named Darren Rodgers and Lamar Jackson and, and maybe Russell Wilson. I, I thought he looked really good. Let's be honest. People now are just going to roll with it and be like, oh, he's the same guy, and that's the end of the conversation. But no. there was a fair amount of hand-wringing. Uh, and not not without good reason. Uh, after he tore up his elbow and after the surgery and then through the offseason and all the drama about his appearance and everything, uh, that he came back and looks basically exactly the same. I think maybe he missed on a couple of throws, Greg, early, uh, touch passes, things that weren't deal breakers by any stretch, and that allowed that to build as a narrative that he wasn't sharp early on. But, yeah, by the by the time he was in the flow of the game and we were, you know, heading towards halftime and that last drive before the half, it was like, oh, Big Ben's back. And it's like, I don't know, Mark, you, you said that they looked like a playoff team. They look like a, a Super Bowl team to me. No, wow. I, I think they do, except you've got, they, the, you got the I, Chiefs no, I, and I the Ravens they have, in the same conference. That's all. I mean, it's I would, I guess my point means, is that – I think they have the ability to hang in that conversation with those guys right now. If you take the defense at the level it's at and then you put in not just like I talked about before the game, if he's 75 percent of Big Ben, the Steelers are still going to be way off. What if he's Big Ben still? And I think that's a team that could go all the way to the final game of the season. I think that's their ceiling here now. I mean, the only their only DNA um, aspect that would concern you about Pittsburgh is that 
there were times when the def- the defense has been very good for a long time. Now the secondary has had issues up and down, but I mean, this nasty pass rush has been around and kind of ignored. And you know, there was a time when Big Ben had Le'Veon Bell the way that we know him and Antonio Brown, and they just couldn't get past teams. Now those were the Patriots. Defense I, I wasn't the same then, though. They they had the talent and they had a lot of the same players, but they didn't perform. And I think it it is the secondary. The defense last year was as good. As it was, you know, since since they made the Super Bowls, you know, a decade ago. I just, I don't, I just think the Steelers are still under Mike Tomlin, a team that's going to disappoint you a couple weeks out of the season too. I mean, there's a lot of that still going on, but I, but well, everybody disappoints though, right? I mean, not everybody has it turned on for 17 straight. I guess weeks. the Steelers have a little bit more of a history of getting to January and 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 not getting the job done. And but are they a Super Bowl team? Yeah, if they can get past the Ravens and Chiefs. On the Giants' side of the ball, yeah, the the Jones turnovers uh, were tough, and uh, I understand the frustration there. It's but it's against a great defense. I, I I look at him, and I was looking how he moved and and how comfortable he looked, and I was thinking how he looks more comfortable in an NFL offense in a second year than Sam Darnold did on Sunday in his third. So even though things went sideways a little bit, and uh, you know, a ten point loss. I'm feeling pretty good about Daniel Jones, and we'll see how this remade offensive line comes together. You can't really judge an offensive line that's being rebuilt off one week, uh, and that's why I can't get too crazy about the Barkley game either, although it was historically bad. Uh, <laughs> I, I, it was also against the great defense in week one without a preseason. You know the whole spiel by now uh, that maybe they deserve a little more benefit of the doubt uh, before we start panicking about that offense. And the defense looked a little more competent. They were so bad yeah, last bad. year that they just looked okay. I, I love Danny Dimes. I love watching him play. I thought he had so many tough, creative plays against pressure. He's going to need it. He, they were he was pressured to the to your point about the Steelers' defense, Mark. Just he was pressured more on a higher percentage of plays than any quarterback in the league in Week One, and he made so many good plays against it. And it is the Daniel Jones experience that'll have one or two plays that kill you. Uh, and hopefully he gets rid of those. But I think overall, when you look at last night, I, I looked at the PFF rankings right as we started. It doesn't surprise me that he was in the top 10 for the week because I, I think he made so many high-quality plays, a lot of times in tough situations because they do not have a right tackle. That's the problem. They have Cam Fleming playing at right tackle, and sometimes you're only as good as your worst offensive lineman, and right now he's a stinker. But he makes the Giants so much more intriguing than they've been, and we yes. all went through that insane period of denying the fate of Eli Manning and somehow Dave Gettleman um, you know for taking an entire year where you didn't take Sam Darnold you didn't take quarterback X might have come out with the perfect guy for the Giants I mean it is a roller coaster ride I tweeted out like two videos of one the touchdown throw and an incredible job by him on another throw And, and both times within three minutes he had created a turnover after and people were like dude this guy's all over Browns, the place. It's like Lions, Giants, stop putting that stink out there. So <laughs> I know, but you I, know I what? Have I the love videos, him. though, Mark. You're you sending what? a lot. Yeah, what's of going on? Where'd you videos? get those videos, Tate yeah. Dog? Regular I mean, Baldy. That's my job, you know. Are you connecting with people behind the scenes and and making video requests and then sending them out on social media? No, no that's far too tedious. I have my own methods, my own <laughs> channels. You know. One more note before we move to the late game. Uh, Saquon Barkley six rushing yards. This per NFL Media Research. Tied for the second fewest by a player with 15-plus carries in a game since uh, the start of the Super Bowl era. The only by, mm. the only other player that had a worse day, five yards on 15 carries. Kareem Abdul 
Jabbar. Abdul Ooh, Kareem Al Jabbar. Oh, yeah. Is that remember Dolphins? The remember Dolphins him? back in the day. Uh, for the Broncos in week 16, oh, oh, okay. 1998 versus Miami. All right. I but, do want to make one quick point yes. is that James Conner's injury, I think, is going to end up helping um, the Steelers because Benny Snell just looks like a better player. Good little player, it's dog. Like, it's like they found. They keep finding these young guys. Chase Claypool is going to be a guy, and Benny Snell, I think, is going to be a guy. I, everyone in fantasy I, that took Snell is going to be doing backflips. Well, how many? How about the fantasy heads that took Connor that are freaking out right well, now? Should and they, you know, they should, should have seen that one coming. He's been banged up a couple of years now. Um, we'll talk more about the Steelers in our preview episode later this week. But now let's move on to the late game, and it was a weird one. Now here comes Guskowski. It's a 25-yard try. He is 0 for 3 tonight on field goals. He has missed an extra point. 0 of 4 in his kicks. And this for the lead with 20 seconds to go. Tennessee down by 1. No wind. Calm night. Off the grass. (laughs) 25-yard field goal. The snap. The kick is up. And the kick is good. Kaskowski drills it from 25 yards away. And the Titans have taken a lead of 16-14 with 17 seconds to go. And Guskowski literally looking to the heavens, closing his eyes, saying thank you to the kicking gods. (laughs) Harlan for Westwood 1 with the call. Yes, credit for Steven Guskowski for not keeping his shoes off and walking home uh, in the third quarter. But credit the Tennessee Titans offense, which could have went in the tank after getting, you know, turned down by the kicker time and time again. Uh, But they had one more big drive in him, and it took him all the way down to the goal line and put Guskowski on a nightmare day where he missed three field goal attempts. One of them was tipped and an extra point and clearly was just completely zonked out and had no ability. They get the ball to a point where even (laughs) Guskowski... Couldn't miss that kick. So good for the Titans offense. 16-14 win over the Denver Broncos at mile high. Oh, Mark. I mean, what do you make of this game? What do you take out of it? And were you as stressed out as I was and everyone else on football Twitter just watching things unfold as the Titans rolled into Denver territory, knowing that the kicker was going to have to walk out on the field again? Yeah, I, I, there's probably um, a subset of Twitter middle school that enjoys seeing these players suffer. Um, I, it just brought me anxiety to think that I think people forget that like Guskowski is, you know, months removed from recovering from like a pretty dangerous hip surgery. So to even come back at right, all and he's is five years away from entering the Hall of Fame. So right. like, we're in this like weird time <laughs> in history. Right. I mean, there's got to be time. There, there might be moments in life when you think, why did I do this? Um, yeah. He gets he got he got half a million dollars guaranteed. So there is a reason to do it. But um, watching it unfold on television, um, I was so happy he made that final kick because it doesn't erase everything that came before. But it kind of does with kickers. You kind of just remember the last thing. But I'm not sure. It might not erase um, his employment situation with another bad day or even sooner. Right. I uh, look. I was. I really wanted him to make that kick, but I was loving the chaos. And Gostowski (laughs) to me was just part of it. But I live for this sort of. It was so ugly. It was perfect as the second primetime game on Monday night. It was made for that. I expected a lot more games in week one to look like this, which was 
totally sloppy on both sides. So I wouldn't say it was fun all the time, but it just kept giving you enough storylines and crazy Drew Locke plays and Ryan Tannehill looking like he's going to get decapitated every other quarter that like I didn't mind how ugly it was because it was entertaining. And uh, all I could think was like, Man, the Titans were sloppy. Every everything like I expected the Broncos to be sloppy a little bit, and they they were missing Boye, their best cornerback. So they're starting two rookies. Neither one of them seems drafted highly. One of them seems undrafted. A guy Bryce Callahan who didn't play all of last year at cornerback. He can't take advantage of that. There's no Von Miller. There's no Cortland Sutton, who's your best offensive player. There's no Philip Lindsay. There's no KJ Hamler, the guy you're all excited about. And still, it's like if Jerry Judy didn't drop a couple passes, the Broncos would have stolen this game away. And yeah, Guskowski was part of it, but there was almost nothing about the Titans to me, if you're a Titans fan, that made you feel good, other than it's week one, and you escaped with a road, quote-unquote, victory, and you, uh, you're on your way. You're playing the late Monday night game. You're going right. to Denver, and again, there's like 500 people in the crowd, so it's a different type of road assignment. But still, you lose Rashawn Evans to that uh, ejection, uh, and he's such an important part of their defense. I, I thought the Titans were fine. I thought it was a sloppy week one game in a weird year. And the fact that they, I was more impressed with their medal to get out of there with the win because it seemed like it was doomed. Once Guskowski missed the second extra point, it was like, or the first, his extra point, it was like, oh my God, you know what's going to happen. <laughs> sure enough, the Broncos go right down the field and, and take the lead. And you think that's that. So I give him credit for that. And, you know, Derrick Henry has 36 touches in this game. So they, even when the run game wasn't necessarily working, they just stayed true to their ways and just kept on pounding the ball to him. I, I thought this was kind of like one of those March Madness games where it's survive in advance and right. then try yeah, to work on prettying feel. things up in week two. I right. do have I'm, a question for Greg because, yeah. Greg, I mean, I think that, with the, you know, your wheelhouse became the story of the game, I think, over the final couple minutes. One quick note first, though. I and I, Dan, I think the jury was out on Drew Locke. Um, I, I really love what I see. I love this guy. And Jerry Judy had the drops, but I got to say that Jerry Judy to me went, went the next time around when he catches those. This is a star in the making. I mean, you can just see from the slot he is getting open over and over. And I get that, you know, you don't have like it's week one. It's sloppy. But this guy, to me, has star wide receiver written all over him. This whole offense, when they get healthy and they get these guys back, is going to be a late season monster that just drops some upsets and bombs on people and maybe sneaks into playoff spot. But Vic Fangio overseeing the whole thing, Greg, the final three minutes, um, people are all over it today. And I think there's different schools of thoughts on how you handle it. Is but there? You're the time- well, you're, I'm saying I've, hear, I've heard people say, you know, Belichick likes to slow play a team that's having issues and let them creep down the field and make their own mistakes. In this case, I think Fangio – did not handle this well um, because he didn't give his offense. And you saw Locke shaking his head with him about eight second seconds to go out there at the end saying, give me a break here. Let's, hear, thoughts, let's hear from Fangio before yeah. we hear from Greg. Oh. When Henry got uh, 13 yards down to our 16, I should have called timeout there. That was the one I missed. He wore it. He, he knows he messed up because they should have gotten the ball back with at least like a minute to play, right, Greg? And and maybe a timeout. And then you have a, and you have a great kicker in Brandon McManus who just got a contract extension and he can kick in Denver. And you basically kicked away that opportunity. It was like a common sense error, which is unsettling. Right. I mean, they 
he 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 owned it, but he owned it, t- you know, the next day. He didn't exactly own it after the fact because he didn't even understand at that point what he had done wrong, <laughs> which is the problem. And he said, to you know, on Tuesday that he didn't make the right call because he was too busy thinking about calling the next defensive play. And I always say this. I don't like these defensive play callers um, being the head coach because I think you really need to have your P's and Q's and know what's going on in terms of game management situation. And Fangio was terrible at it last year, too. Like, these coaches, like they, they, they're all about, oh, we work so hard. We work 100 hours. We prepare for every scenario. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, but you're, like, worse at, at that scenario, which is so important, than a guy playing Madden. And I know it's a, there's more pressure and it's a lot, but that's why you should be preparing that. Like, are you spending two hours on that during the week? I don't think so. Not only did he blow that situation, but the thing I, I thought was crazy, <laughs> no one correct. really paid any attention to. They, they used 40 seconds on the drive before that. They got the ball. The game, that game was over when they got the ball back over midfield. Judy drops a pass that would have ended the game. And I'm with you. Judy looks like an unbelievable talent right. who's going to be He jumped like, off the screen. He's he's unreal. He reminds me of, I don't know, Antonio Brown, I guess, would be the, the closest thing to it. And then they go on, on third and eight, they go, they go hero ball, and they decide to go for a, a touchdown throw over the top. And you know it was a pretty good call. Lock out him wide open, and they would have been dancing in the Denver streets that they went for a 40-yard touchdown with three minutes to go. But Lock throws it into the first, you know, into the first uh, part of the it's stands. A bad throw. It wasn't even close. I and thought Lock was that. okay, Mark. He was fine. He I had some he good okay. plays and some bad. That's what I, he does. I think he's. I'm still in the same kind of holding pattern with him because, yeah, you're right. If he forget about even winning the game uh, with that deep pass, which he missed. You're right, though. If Judy doesn't have that second drop, we're probably talking about a totally different situation here. Uh, but that's football. Uh, but I do. I did like what I saw from him, and I think I agree with you that if you get Cortland Sutton back. And Judy continues to develop because he really did jump off the screen. Like the way he came out of those breaks and just it reminded me actually of like a young Odell Beckham where when he had the ball in his hands, it was like, "Uh uh-oh, watch out because this guy's just (laughs) doing things that other guys on the field can't do. You can just see it. I mean, like I think, you know, like a a 12-year-old could look at that and say, what is happening with this player versus other wide receivers? Mm. I mean, he's that special to the eyes. Uh, I wrote about Locke and Daniel Jones, though, and I, I, here's the thing why I like them this much. They're fun to watch. Right. I, I, I did a feature on them because it's, to me, like they're making two teams that were pretty tough to watch as quarterbacks a lot of fun. So I think Locke, if, it, it'll be a roller coaster ride, but he'll, he's going to give you some stuff. And Mike Vrabel said Tuesday the Titans have a, quote, lot of faith in Steven Gaskowski after the kicker's uh, rough debut. Ooh. I I meant it. I, I tweeted this that in that exact moment, and don't get on me with, oh, but what about the suffering in, in this part of the world? Calm down. In that exact moment, there was no one I would – I would rather be anyone else in the world than Gaskowski when he saw every camera on the sideline trained on him, none of his teammates talking to him, knowing that he was the story of the night. It was week one, prime time, and then you you can't go in a hole and hide. And then the when they showed him on the bench taking his cleats off, like it did, it was bad enough that it crossed my mind. I wonder if he's just walking out. Like it was, it was at that level of the, the human uh, feeling. Dante of it all. Davis. Um, all right, <laughs> that's it uh, for Monday night football discussion. Let us let's let's have some fun. Let's do this. All right. So a lot of good things happened in week one. 
A lot of reasons for teams to be excited. Uh, then there's the flip side of it, teams that things didn't work out how they had hoped in week one. And what we're going to try to do here in a segment we call panic or chill, bro, is figure out which one of the negative outcomes of week one is a harbinger of doom and which one should be more of like, okay, let's let things breathe a little bit. Most likely it won't be as bad as it looks. So we'll go around the horn here. Um, I'll get it going and I will present it to to both you boys. And then I'll chime in with my thoughts as well. But I'll start right here because it was a conversation on the um, podcast on Sunday night. Phil Rivers and the interceptions that killed uh, the Colts against the Jaguars in the big upset of the week. I watched the game uh, yesterday as part of my power rankings duties, and it did. It was exactly what I what I kind of imagined it was based on the way it was being described. It was Rivers trying to force things and make things happen, and it kind of stood out in contrast with the other quarterback, Gardner Minshew, who took what the defense gave him and just executed well. Uh, so Rivers even stood out more. Is this, to you guys, a sign that the Colts are in serious trouble because Rivers is going to just be this flawed guy that cost them multiple games this year? Panic or chill? To, I want Mark to go first because I feel like my answer is too uh, too obvious. You know where I'm going with this. Um, I, here's the thing. Like, like, I think you kind of know what you're getting in Phillip Rivers and the good with the bad. And, a, you know, this is not the greatest version of Phillip Rivers. And I would imagine um, the Colts excel at self-scouting. Uh, and they know that um, you're going to get – I like that you said that Minshew kind of gave what the defense – um, took what the defense gave him. Where I think Philip Rivers is just gonna—he's gonna give things to the offense and the defense. That's just so, who Philip Rivers sort of is. I'm not in a panic mode because I'm kind of used to this this version of Philip Rivers, and I think it's going to help them to unleash Jonathan Taylor. If Jonathan Taylor is what we think they are, their offense has a lot of young pieces. Um, T. Y. Hilton uh, can still play. I think he he looked good. So I'm not. Re- they have a great offensive line. I just. I want to see this thing kind of carry out for a month. Um, but I'll tell you this. I'm not like, hey, no matter what happens, I'm not going to panic all year. I think this is a, this is a one year, um, a one year scenario for Philip Rivers. And, and then I think they move on after this and barring mm. something really special. I just, I just do. And so, you know, to me, panic like, you or can't chill, pan- Mark. I'm, I'm, I'm chilling because the other option is you put in Jacoby Brissett. Like, no, no. Well, you could just panic and, and not expect it to go well. I'm not panicking though. All right, you know, you know where I'm going. I'm chilling. I'm hang. I mean, chill is probably the wrong word because I'm just enjoying. I'm I'm ready for the roller coaster ride. And uh, yeah, I am a little concerned that those interceptions were were totally on Rivers. And I I went back to watch it too, kind of hoping that there was going to be some you know secondary reasons for him. But especially the the way that they happened, when they happened, uh, they turned the momentum. Um, of the game, and otherwise they would have won it. I am chilling, though, because, man, the offense looks so good otherwise. Yeah, the matchup was good, and he was protected well. I think he's going to be protected well each week, and Wes has gotten on Rivers' arm strength, and to me, he's at his best throwing intermediate and deep down the field. At least he has you know, throughout his career. And he had a 27, 30-yard rope to the opposite hash mark early in that game on a dime to T.Y. Hilton that made me not worried about his arm strength at all. He had another one. I mean, that is the hardest throw for quarterbacks to make. I'm not saying he's Aaron Rodgers, 
but he looked in sync. He showed anticipation. The arm looked uh, good. I think he... You look. You could tell he's been in this offense before, and I think it's going to be a very dangerous offense. He he can't keep doing that. So if you're right, if we're having this conversation um, in October, then then I'll start. Then I'll be panicking. But I am I am giving him a one week. Like okay, he's going to have these games, but throwing 15 interceptions and having this kind of season that that's okay for me. Uh, throwing yeah. 22, 23, it's a it's a big difference. And and it was uh, he was a big part of the reason they lost. It was a killer. Oh. I'm going to hold my panic for another week or so, but it certainly is a bit foreboding. So I'm chilled, but I'm also like, I'm not so chilled. I'm just going to let the public think I am. And that's the way Colts feels. Colts fans probably feel right now. Uh, Greg, you're up. All right. I'm going to go uh, with the Saints offense and uh, Drew Brees. And, and this has been something Wes has talked about, certainly uh, when it comes to Drew Brees' arm strength. But, you know, since we... Uh, last, uh, you know, talked with our listeners. Michael Thomas, it's been revealed, has a high ankle sprain. He's supposedly going to play through it or try to. That doesn't sound like a good idea. Let's let's get this guy healthy. Um, but I, I'm wondering if you guys are panicking or chilling uh, about a Saints offense, especially the passing attack, where everything seems pretty close to the line of scrimmage, and the defense, uh, at least on Sunday, knew it. Damn, panic or chill. Chill. I'm a hard chill on this one, and it's not because I don't... Uh, see, that's how I feel inside. It's not because I don't respect the punditry of someone like a Chris Wessling, who uh, I think is making sense when he says that Drew Brees' arm strength is is becoming an increasingly big issue, and it does make me think when Sean Payton is so going out of his way after the game to put the blame on him and say it was the worst game plan I've ever had. Mm. It makes me think that maybe he's covering for his boy because he knows that's important, especially this time of year. That said, um, Breeze, to me, is still a guy in an offense that he's super comfortable with that's going to be in in positive game situations because of the defense. And if anybody is going to say they're shocked if he throws three or four touchdowns, uh, in his next game, you're lying because it's it's too simple to be like, oh yeah, they they had 270 total yards. Now it's locked in. He's Peyton Manning in that final Bron- Broncos year. He stinks. <laughs> I don't think he's there yet. And maybe he is, but right now I'm going to say I'd be more. I'd be it'd be more likely to me that he has a big game in week two, and all these narratives go out the door for the time being. Yeah, I mean, I'm chilling because if I'm panicking over this, I'm probably panicking about. Um, how to pour myself a cup of water in the kitchen. I mean, it's, look, like this is the Saints. <laughs> this, is, this is, I really think that Sean Payton um, <laughs> is the best schemer offensively in the league. And I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, if you really get into a pinch, you can come in and use uh, packages with Jameis Winston. You can use the use oh. Tamus Dace Taysom I mean, Hill panic. to throw. De- no, I'm just saying if you get into a real pinch down the stretch, sneaky panic. I'm not panicking over Drew Brees though because I think this isn't that different of a version of Drew Brees than we had a year ago. I just I don't. And if you have a healthy Alvin Kamara, he'll be used as well as he would in any offense in the league. So you know, I do. I think that they're going to be the best offense. Um, you know, just book it right now. No. But I, but I'm not panicking. There's a panic situation. I can look at twelve other offenses to panic around. Mm. Are you guys worried about anything? You're also. Chill. I mean, I, I'm gonna go ahead and panic because there's been too much chilling. Uh, that's what I say. Let's panic. <laughs> oh, there's panic in the street. I mean, here's the thing with the Saints' offense. I'm panicking to the point is 
of like, is the old Saints offense going to be back and, and do I believe that it's going to stay that way? They've had these stretches over the last two years, especially last year, where they didn't look great. And then at the end of last year, man, they were scoring a ton of points and it was going great. But I think the way the roster is constructed, their interior line really struggled against Tampa. And maybe that was a matchup thing, but if you if you can't protect Drew Brees up the middle, then he starts looking ordinary. And there's there's not a lot of deep speed here. Emmanuel Sanders played less in that game than Traquan Smith. I think they can win games because they've got such a good defense and special team. But in terms of like high-flying old Saints, let's just have some good old fun uh, week one overreaction panic. <laughs> I don't believe it. I think you're just trying to add I some don't think you're I, I, balance I have, segment. I have um, real concerns that they're not going to be like a top five type of offense or even, you know, necessarily top 10. I do, I do, uh, I am maybe overreacting, but I really do believe that. Okay. So I guess it all kind of depends on perspective. If the days of a top five Drew Brees offense are over, I could buy that top 10 even. Okay. That'd be the worst Saints offense under Drew Brees and Sean Payton. But you know what? That wouldn't be time to panic. It's if they end up being in the twenties or something. And all of a sudden the offense is an actual liability. And I feel like we're still going to be far off from that, but we'll find out. The Michael Thomas injury is a problem because a high great. ankle sprain is something that could linger and it could mess up a whole season. All right, Mark, you're up next. All right, San Francisco. We know they have their issues, but I want to focus on Jimmy G. If you go back and look at that game, he's lucky that he didn't have an interception on a on – a, basically it was wiped out by penalty. It was a terrible pick while he was on the move. Um, not a great look for Jimmy G. He had the fourth fourth and five meltdown at the end of the game where they had a chance to win and he just threw a terrible pass and to the point where you know the, the the play-by-play guy and the color guy basically said, that's just on Jimmy G. And you know I could throw in other examples, and we've seen little things from Jimmy G here and there, and that five-game sample that started his career in San Francisco feels about 25 years ago. Are we panicking or are we chilling on Jimmy G as the, the guy in San Francisco? I'm ready to panic on this one. Ooh. I This might be bad. This might be bad. <laughs> this like might this be bad. Um I was definitely taken aback by his performance on Sunday. And I know that the wide receiver situation is bad there right now. Uh so you gotta factor that in. I think the wide receivers accounted for forty one yards total. Uh, against the Cardinals and the Cardinals are not anyone's definition of a you know top secondary in the league uh, but there are three the three throws that kind of stuck with me one is the one that injured George Kittle which was a throw right. into the flat that was high that his star tight end had to go up to get and he came down and now he's got a sprained knee and we'll see how he recovers from that two was the miss to Kendrick Bourne that would have uh, given the Niners a win he undershot the throw and allowed the defender to get back into the play. Patrick Peterson knocked the ball away. That should have been a gimme touchdown. And three, the fourth and four with the game on the line where he threw it late and behind his receiver. And maybe it's just a bad game, but it does feel like he's just a hot and cold guy. And we talk about it on this pod a lot, that he has a genius offensive coordinator on his side, Maybe I'm expecting a little bit more progress, even with a, a a offense that is compromised by injury. So I don't think it's too soon to panic that you might just have like a guy at quarterback mm. and not the guy. 
Yeah, I'm gonna sprinkle like a mild amount of panic. I've just been at this this slow, uh, steady panic when it comes to Jimmy G for a while. And week one, you know, kind of confirmed uh, my priors, which is that he's just always like a step late, a beat late. You know, in uh, it's a timing offense, and you can hear it in Kyle Shanahan's voice, and that's that's partly why uh, I've got the mild bit of panic because it feels like Kyle Shanahan has a l- mild bit of panic, and that's that's I don't I don't know if this is a conspiracy theory. Good. You know, you hear whispers, um, but I'm I buy into them that there's just like a little bit of a, a disconnect. A you think there's friction between them? No, I do. You know what, Greg? I think you're right, and that's not, that's why I kind of brought it up. I, the panic for me comes from the fact that I think that the Shanahan's um, have been good head coaches because they are a tad cutthroat, and you've got to make the right decision. And this is Kyle Shanahan's Super Bowl window in San Francisco. I'm not saying you can make a change right now, but I do agree with the sprinkling of panic that <laughs> this is not the guy we thought we had when we signed him after a small sample size to a massive extension. And he had— now, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I just I, I think that we can look at the most recent game. I pointed a few things out. You point a few things out. Greg points a few things out. It seems to happen from game to game. And then I, he'll I, have I a stretch see. where he is awesome. And it's like it, it kind of lays all the fears and everybody comes down. And then a game like this pops up again. So can he iron that consistency? inconsistency out of his game? Ricky, why don't you give us one? I was going to say maybe Belichick can see the future. Oh, stop it. Um, <laughs> Please, he wanted him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, how do you guys feel about Deshaun Watson without DeAndre Hopkins? Mm. Dating back to last season, Watson now has four consecutive games with a sub-100 passer rating, the longest such streak of his <laughs> career. Panic or chill? I couldn't be chilling anymore. I mean, QB, QB rating, garbage, that. Plus 100 is pretty high, so I don't even know what that means. Uh, Billy, Billy O'Brien, if he does one thing well, he'll scheme up a little more offense in a passing game than you think. But before Deshaun Watson, post Deshaun Watson, I'm worried about him this week against that Ravens uh, front, and I'm worried about the Texans O-line, but Watson will find a way. No panic. I, I'm chilling because I just think Deshaun Watson – um, is going to probably be the guy that can lift an offense no matter what's around him. But I would say for all the people that kind of rode off DeAndre Hopkins in Arizona, thinking he's just going to be like a guy that puts up a 544-0 line week after. Who said that? I think people were cold on him on fantasy, not saying that he's not a good player, but that he was going to be de-emphasized in a four-wide I mean, if you're going to call offense. out Silva, just say the name, you know? Well, Silva's not alone. I mean, I think he like his value <laughs> went down. and I, The logic was there, but then you watch the game, and DeAndre Hopkins Silva is DeAndre Hopkins. So ultimately what the Texans did... <laughs> was they removed a complete raging star wide receiver from their offense. So I'd be more panicked about some of the decision-making. And then with this, the backlash where it's like, now let's praise Bill O'Brien. And he got, went and got David Johnson. Well, thanks. I know which player I'd rather have right now. And so I don't like <laughs> right, that well, around Deshaun Watson at all. We, but mean, I like the player. Well, David Johnson looked way better than he did last year. Can yeah, we please he not fine. deliberate this trade again? I, I... No, we don't. But I, but we were on Thursday night, and everyone else was. It's like, oh, good. maybe... Doesn't mean know, it was a good trade. He is not. I would never we in my life that. want him over DeAndre Hopkins. I, well, that's. I guess lives. that's the point I'm trying to make. Like, can we all, as a people, agree? And I think we have terrible trade. 
But now the season started, and this man's on this team, and this man's on that team. And I thought David Johnson did look really good. Uh, and I think Will Fuller, assuming he stays healthy, is going to end up with numbers that could even rival what Hopkins did last year in Houston. Uh, so I'm going to say chill. I think they're a worse team, and that doesn't take a brilliant uh, analyst to point that out. But I still think with Deshaun Watson, he's so special that I think the offense is going to figure it out. It's such a... I, it's borderline unfair when you send these teams on the road to the defending champions in their season opener on a Thursday night. It feels like nine times out of ten they don't have any chance, and that's how it felt for Houston. I can't wait to see them in a more normalized environment. Well, how about Baltimore this two. week? What did O'Brien do to get the what, schedule makers mad? It's one reason schedule. why Bill's like, done a lot. I'm worried about schedule. the Texans just because of their schedule and why Jimmy G, even though I don't believe in him, it's like their schedule is is very uh, forgiving the next couple of weeks. Just you know, hanging out in MetLife Stadium and and playing the Dolphins soon. You know, it's, it's pretty. It's pretty easy. Pretty nice. Guys. Pretty nice. All right, let's go around the horn one more time quickly. Uh, I, I I hope you guys had a chance to watch this game. I imagine you did. The Packers Vikings Week One. We all know what Aaron Rodgers did and what a fun thing that was to watch him turn into Aaron Rodgers again. But I want to talk about the Vikings apocalypse. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to get too worked up about the offensive side of the ball because it was a weird game where the defense was couldn't get off the field, and then by the time Kirk Cousins and this Stefan Diggs free offense went to work, the game script had kind of flipped. It just was a little wonky. Uh, but the defense wasn't competitive in this game, and maybe it gets better with the Neil Hunter when he comes back. But for one week at least, this was non-competitive, uh, both in the trenches and in the secondary Greg, is it time to panic or chill about the Vikings as a legit contender potential? Hmm. Well, the way you you phrase that is tricky. I'm going to chill because of Mike Zimmer's track record, coaching up defense for decades, really. And especially the secondary, I think, has enough talent. The linebackers are good. The defensive line is a big-time concern because even when Hunter gets back, it was it was their interior that was just blown off the ball and are a bunch of, you know, rotation guys in the past or new players and don't look that talented. And, yeah, you got Ngakwe and Hunter, but, like, that does not make, you know, an entire defensive line. So that that's a problem, but I think they'll be able to scheme their way into it and coach, coach their way up as the season goes along. Well, I'm panicking. Mm. If I'm a Vikings fan, I'm panicking. You love I panicking think, about the Vikings. Yeah, because I think the ceiling... Still I mean, hung up about that uh, team of ATN all these years later. No, no, I'm just looking at the team I watched on Sunday and the team that I watched, um, the floor version of the team that I watched last year. And, and to be the Vikings teams that really had a chance, I mean, a lot of it just started with, it started with your defense. And there's too much happening there right now. And yeah, you played a great opponent, but... But not a lot of people expected Aaron Rodgers to do that in week one. That's why it's a raging story that Aaron Rodgers came out and looked like he had been shotgunned out of like a 2012 cannon. So, I mean, if I'm Minnesota, I'm freaking because you're probably like a 9-7 and seven team and it's the same old story or you're 8-8 eight and eight, or you're, you're one and done. And, I mean, I think finally if you're, if you're in Minnesota, you have to say the, the ceiling needs to be higher and there's reason to panic if the organization is going to float along being one of the you know fourth or fifth or sixth or seventh best teams in their conference. It's I'm, not enough. I'm I'm on the opposite side of the spectrum on this. I'm in a total chill scenario. Bad game. They got caught with their pants down in week one, and Aaron Rodgers was something to prove. Was I think a, a really bad combination. Uh, but the coaching is good. The roster is good, 
And yes, I agree with you, Mark, that this team seems to have a couple stinkers in them every year. They got one out of the way in week one. I think this is a double-digit win team. And wow. I think they'll, we'll be coming out of week two uh, after they perform well, being like, okay, things are back on track. Maybe. That's what I think. All right, who's up? I can go. I'll, uh, okay. I'll throw the Chargers offense out there. Whether we're panicking or chilling <laughs> about a, a Chargers offense who, uh, you know, despite Joe Burrow having his struggles, was was trailing until very late in the game against the Bengals' defense without a lot of talent. Sessler, panic or chill? Well, I here's the thing. I don't think – I'm panicking. I think the Chargers, um, shame on them if they thought they were going to get a whole lot more out of this whole thing. I watched that game, um, you know, partly to check out the Bengals for TNF. Tyrod Taylor, great guy, fun guy on Hard Knocks, we all agree. A campaign killer. You're going to have to make a switch at some point. Ooh, and everyone, at, you know, the one Why thing that bugs me, him? the one thing that bugs me a little bit is that the coaching staff talks about all these things that Tyrod Taylor can bring to the offense. What I see is what he takes away from an offense. Uh, I just, I, I think he's a, a mobile guy. That's great, but that's not that big of a def- differentiator in terms of what Tyrod Taylor is doing with that these days. They're a field goal offense with him. Austin Eckler um, has been essentially like de-emphasized. They don't do, they don't check down to him in the passing game. Anthony Lynn basically said we're not going to do that with Anthony Lynn with Eckler as much this year. That's your best player. Mike Williams makes a few amazing grabs in that game, but if he doesn't, like the offense is a stink bomb. And then you have a rookie quarterback among them all that I think I want to see it, but just does not seem completely ready for prime time. Might be shoved into the fire too soon. It's not a great situation. You were five and eleven last year. What are you supposed to be doing in the NFL? Why was Tyrod Taylor advertised to us as a starter? I never really bought it to begin with. I'm gonna chill, but only because I didn't come into the season thinking the offense was gonna be very good. And I think it's an offense that on most games, you're going to be lucky if they give you 23 points. You know, the, I feel like their ceiling most weeks is going to be hoping to win a lot of like 20 to 13 games, 23, 20. And this was a step below that. And it's in week one, you know, on the road. So I think they'll be better than they were in week one. I think Tyler Taylor will be better. I think Austin Eckler will get more involved and they'll figure out ways to do it uh, because I like Anthony Lynn. But uh, this is who the Chargers are until and if Justin Herbert can play the guitar. Mm. I'm panicking a little about the approach because it was was the third highest uh, percentage of runs Anthony Lynn has had. This is what he wants to do. He's told you. They have three tight ends on the field half the time. He just wants to run out. They were losing in the game, and they and they had the highest percent. Like he is living out his dream. <laughs> He's so good. happy to be done with Philip Rivers, so he can play the style of football he wants. And um, I don't know if that I style love of football works. With, I think uh, I mentioned this uh, before the season started, but it was so odd to me that Philip Rivers' name never came up once in five episodes <laughs> of Hard Knocks. You're right. That that was kind of an underrated subplot that there was bad blood behind the scenes, and that was a bit of a messy divorce. Uh, and it played out because when you have a legendary uh, quarterback in your team's history that goes away after 18 years or whatever it was, and then it's not even something that people bring up his name out of respect. No, there's something cooking behind the scenes there. And maybe uh, maybe Anthony Lynch shouldn't have been so excited. Can I, Dan, one thing that you said, because this is sort of where my problem is, because I, I you guys, we, I love Anthony Lynn. Um, I felt so differently about him after watching Hard Knocks. I like the whole team. I like Tyrod Taylor. But you go into a season saying we want to win games 19 to 16. That's who we want to be. 
it's 2020. I yeah. mean, it just it feels to me like it's it's not you. all it's not Tyrod Taylor's fault necessarily. Use but, his legs. Maybe those legs aren't. He used to be maybe the second best running quarterback in the entire NFL. He was an electric runner, and you just haven't right. when seen there were a lot fewer really of them use, too. Though. They didn't really yeah. use it anymore. You, I haven't seen it in a few years. Put it. He's that only way. about I think he's 31 maybe, and he hasn't sustained any major injuries in recent years. I would imagine the athleticism is still there. Uh, does anybody have one more before we move on? I'd have a quick one for you. Yeah. I mean, because this one I kind of go both ways because I don't know how much wiggle room you have to um, give games away. The Cowboys offensive line, uh, it's it, it's banged up. I don't think Tyron Smith, people just say, you know, you watch a prime time, oh, it's Tyron Smith. Well, yeah, but it's not the same Tyron Smith, okay? Joe Looney, these guys were fine on Sunday night, but if you go look at the scores, PFF and sort of the overall feel, your right side, Connor Williams and Terrence Steele were hot messes. Uh, you don't have Lael Collins back for a while. You've lost Blake Jarwin at tight end. Um, so you're losing creativity in terms of how you can block. And when we think of offensive lines, I think sometimes, you know, if you're just sort of more watching it from year to year, you get caught in what a team has been characteristically. Like, this is not the Cowboys offensive line of old. And I think it affects Dak Prescott. Panic or chill? Mm. I would say that panic in the sense that there was a time where it doesn't matter who they were playing, they're going to handle their business uh, on that front. But that might be over now. And when you get a, an Aaron Donald-led defensive line, and he was like bullying Zach Martin yeah. uh, even on Sunday night, they, they might have gotten to the point where they're vulnerable against truly great lines but still will be able to hold their line, own against everyone else. So overall a chill, but with an acknowledgement that it's not the same team anymore. I, I'm going to chill just because uh, I think – the offensive personnel can mostly make up for. I, there are other points of concern for me on this team, but I'm gonna I'm gonna have some faith in Dak and those receivers and Zeke to just make up for it. You're right, the line's not going to be the same. Now my expectations are are not there, uh, but if as long as the line can be average, I think the the other players can lift them up. Okay, last quick one before we get to Thursday night preview. Uh, panic or chill? Chris Berman's grip on the cultural zeitgeist. You know, across my mind. <laughs> what? What? Who? Like, what? We were, Jet and I were watching the game last night, and I'm sitting in this beanbag that we have, and she's on the couch, and I, we both look at each other like, what the just happened? Like, who? Did okay. he this is have this, a stroke? This is, this is uh, television this, history. Ricky. No, this hits on, uh, Ricky's hitting on something that's interesting to me because. Uh, Erica and Jet are obviously significantly younger than us. They're in their 20s. And they didn't come from the generation where Chris Berman was famous for doing things like... Gardner, miss you! He's from a bygone era. And now when you bring him up, you take him out of mothballs and throw him on this halftime show on ESPN... There's going to be a lot of people that were born like after 1990 that don't even have the context to understand what the hell is going on. <laughs> and I'm just, I just don't think it's for us. It's supposed to be nostalgia driven. And I guess mileage varies on that. But for everyone else, it's like a total WTF. I don't know if ESPN has pieced that together yet. I for me, like it is nostalgic, but I can separate from the fact that like I'd be panicking over in general ESPN's decisions about their primetime football over the past couple years and that this still seems like something that they're sitting around in production meetings saying this sings this is how you <laughs> this is how you do nowhere. 2020 football well yeah. I, I, like, 
Go ahead, Ricky. So serious, like, I'm the halftime, and here we are, and, you know, it's going to be a tough one. And it's, like, very quiet, and then he's like, out of nowhere. And I was like, what is what is happening? Well, here's the thing, though. He's been on that halftime show permanently. Forever. It's never He's never not been on that halftime show. And uh, I'm with you. Um, it's, it's a little much. But, hey, you know, NFL primetime's still going, and Tom Jackson understandably decided to opt out this year because of COVID and just and staying safe. And so you're adding a, a little bit of younger blood with Booger. And so it's Berman and Booger, and Booger brings the uh, zeitgeist Booger. to you, Dan. That's your cell? Okay. Poor Wait, Booger. is that a panic or is that a chill? I'm just, I'm, a, I'm, I'm along for the ride. The, the website. This might be bad. The website Awful Announcing, which does uh, good media criticism, uh, put it very well. I thought uh, they used to cover the Chris Berman late Monday night games uh, with great fervor because of how they often went off the rails in those last few years. They called the decision to continue keeping Berman on the air long after uh, his heyday institutional hubris. (laughs) All right, let's get to it. Thursday night football. And by the way, I say that having grown up on Chris Berman and I've totally stole the G-Men. And some people think that that's me being original. No, I just stole that from Chris Berman, who did it a million times in the 90s on uh, ESPN primetime. So all due respect (laughs) to the big man, ultimately. But uh, we're just having some fun here. All right. Thursday night football, Cleveland Browns, Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, Mark, I imagine if we extended the segment uh, Panic or Chill into this conversation, I have an idea where you would fall. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I would. I think from the from the world of you know Browns hot and cold stuff, um, it's a little panicky. They they just didn't show up at all on Sunday. Um, I couldn't be more concerned about how long it's going to take this offense to get its wheels going when you're watching other first year head coaches come out. And uh, move parts around. I mean, I know, I know that like the Carolina Panthers fell apart on that last play there, but Matt Rule, did, you know, who people thought it's going to take ten weeks for this team to get together. That offense was fun to watch. I thought, and Cleveland's was the opposite. Um, here's the thing, and I, I'm I'm not going to filibuster here. Austin Seibert gets cut for another terrible opener. He gets picked up by the Bengals. I have seen this act in this, <laughs> this movie five thousand times. Thing. No, but this is this is like Greg. Greg, you, you, you got to understand something, Greg. It's a team that is getting killed right now because everyone thinks Odell Beckham wants to get traded again, or they want to trade Odell Beckham because Mike Francesa put a tweet out. Okay. Everyone left and right is ready to pounce on Baker Mayfield and destroy him. This is the last thing I want happening on national television. I want the team to have a chance to grow. What did Mike Francesa tweet? I don't think anybody listens to Francesa. He said Beckham was available. It's all over the place now, and it's like, what's going on with Beckham? I wait to hear from Mike Lombardi before I decide which of uh, the aging (laughs) football pundits. (laughs) It's fair. I just, I, you know, the thing point. is, like, you, you, we keep saying we want to watch quarterbacks that make teams fun. We want to watch fun teams. And, you know, you sign up for one, and you're not going to walk away. I'm not walking away from them. But this is a sliding, this is a black mirror scenario that has happened so many times during the course of our podcast. And it really dips into kind of evil feelings at points where I'm just like, this is not enjoyable. And the last thing I want is to have Twitter 
going absolutely nuts. Every It's all the same characters freaking out about Joe Burrow topping Baker Mayfield on Thursday night, all the little chucklers, and it's like, it's not fun. It's not fun being a fan of this. There's 29 more interesting, intriguing, fun. fun teams right now. Well, they, they weren't fun. That's for sure. I only was making a little light of the cyber thing because I saw Tony Grossi, who's covered them forever, you know, say the same thing. It's like, oh, you know, they, they should have like waited an extra day before they cut Cybert because now it's going to come back to haunt him. If Browns fans are worrying that cutting Cybert is going to be the thing that makes or no. breaks, like if Cybert's no. your problem, Greg, who cares? Then you're, you're looking the at it. Over. You're looking at it from the POV of like a technocrat on whether or not Austin Cybert is a good roster addition. It's the kicker that you cut. 48 hours before beating you on Thursday night. But it's also, it doesn't matter. nothing to do with the person or the person. I don't want to sound, play, but it doesn't I don't matter. Want to sound, I don't want to sound flip here, Mark, but if Cybert ends up killing you, that probably means you at least played a close competitive game. And teams like the Browns, and my Jets are included in that, didn't even compete in week one. So maybe right. that is progress, even if, if that happens. But uh, yeah, I think this is going to be because that week two Thursday game is sneaky way up there in terms of visibility because people are still in love with the fact that football's back and it's the only game. And if Baker Mayfield and this offense, and it's not all on Baker, it's it's the whole thing, but he is at the front of it. And Odell Beckham certainly is prominently involved with this too after he bombed out in week one. They need to deliver here. They need to step up and put points on the board and look dangerous or whatever the hell you want. Walk in silence, do whatever you got to do, but just put some points on the board and don't put all the pressure on your defense uh, to stop Joe Burrow because you don't want that to happen. You don't want because that happened to me on Thursday Night Football. In right. fact, my team, when Baker came in uh, against the Jets when he was a rookie and he started getting confident and he was feeling it uh, in prime time under the lights, put some points on the board and put the rookie quarterback in a spot where the maybe the game script is off and he has to throw the ball more than he wants and you start getting some turnovers. Don't bomb out on offense here because that's when you're really going to put yourself uh, in position for another embarrassing game. Here. Yeah, my my thing more, Mark, is is it's just not about cyber. It's not. It's it's about not being an embarrassment on offense because last week's game they were the most disappointing team I thought in week one. That was straight out of the Freddie Kitchens, um, you know, you know, best of list. I mean, they they couldn't have made more mental mistakes. You got Baker and uh, Stefanski talking about what play they want to run on fourth and one with about six seconds on the play clock, you know, left before they like start sprinting in and try to like everything was sloppy. And I I do go back to the Mayfield Beckham connection. It's not being unfair to them. They, when he throws it to Odo Beckham, bad things happen and they got to fix that. They got to fix it fast. Cause that was one of the worst, like one of the worst, um, quarterback to wide receiver connections in the league last week was Mayfield to Beckham. Beckham dropping passes. He did a ton of that last year. Mental mistakes. Mayfield's missing throws even when he is protected. Offensive line played well. Running game was yeah. good. That, that that wasn't the problem. So I'm not panicking either because it's only one week, but it was about as bad as a, a week one as you can get. And, and I think the Thursday game is also tricky, Dan, because you have to play two games in five days after not playing anything yeah, all true. season you are not conditioned for that and so it, it's a recipe for more ugly football i mean if i were to panic about the bengals to flip it to them for one minute i mean their offensive line yeah. in that game against the chargers and i get that you're playing um a cast of characters from the los angeles side was was one of the worst games i've seen by an offensive line and, and you know 
more credit to Joe Burrow for even surviving and making a few plays down the stretch. Joe Burrow was not perfect. I keep hearing that Joe Burrow had this great debut. No. I mean, he was forced into some really bad decisions and looked like a deer in headlights and also made some great throws where you saw what Joe Burrow can be. I don't know if I trust Cleveland's defense to make any sort of impact the way the Chargers did. That could open things up for Joe Burrow. A.J. Green looked pretty good. I mean, I could see that connection growing. And and I'll say this last thing about Odell Beckham, that the last time Baker Mayfield was really dangerous was before Odell Beckham was on this team. That's 2018. And that's when Baker Mayfield was the unquestioned alpha male of the Browns. And I do wonder a little bit about this. What I see with Odell Beckham, and you can tell me if you see something different, is Baker feeding it to Beckham when it doesn't always make sense. And Beckham just making terrible drops in the last game. I mean, the, the chemistry was Stepping totally not bounds. there. I mean, Landry's been a better yeah, player a, for Cleveland by far. Landry has and, been and a he much better player. At the player. same time, it's more reliable. He he's been better. I don't see why that should continue forever. It really shouldn't. But that's just been the facts. I think that was. That was ignored when Beckham got traded to the Browns and everybody saw it as the heist of the century. It's like the the Giants had to deal with a lot of crap with Beckham. And part of of his whole thing is keep him happy, get him the ball. Everything has to be right. But when things aren't going well, is Beckham the type of guy that makes a team better or does he drag you down further? Through 17 games of the experience, I'm I'm not sold on the guy. I guess I never really have. Uh, but it's going to be a fun game. I, maybe not for you, Mark, and I get it because I'd feel the same as you, especially when you're vulnerable after week one. But uh, to people that are less connected to the two teams, it's it's a fun matchup, and I, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's one of the better Thursday night football games we'll get all year. Hopefully mm. it plays out that way. I'm with you. It's a big game, too. You can wipe it all away. One and one feels great. It's, it, I know you're you're afraid that this is the worst-case scenario, losing the Bengals, but the flip side of it is you're playing a team that's not that talented and is beatable, and uh, you just the Browns just have to find a way to beat them. I'm, I'm kind of shocked that Browns are as heavily favored as they are. I mean, what the are Browns the desert people saying? Yeah, what's happening it's, there? It's borderline not lockable, which seems crazy, but that's not quite. That's not absurd quite. To me. That is absurd to me, too. Um, but but I don't think the Bengals really did much uh, to impress in week one um, in any way. And so that 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 should make you feel a little better. OK, let's let's get out of here. Reminder, Thursday uh, will be our week two preview episode Saturday morning on NFL Network. You'll have the uh, network program, which is a version of the preview episode. Please check that out. And of course, Thursday night. I don't know, Mark, you going to be with us. Rain or shine Thursday night recap. TBD. I mean, TBD. No, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll be in my house, so why not? I mean, you know, if it goes horribly, I think it would be it would lack nobility to not show up. I mean, when it, it's not like this is my first experience with the Browns dropping a gigantic egg on on, on like a primetime game or big spot, so I'll be there. I some by form. the way, it's it's cathartic to be able to speak about your team like this, Mark. But it is another reminder that you've told us fourteen times in the off season that you weren't that. Uh, you weren't that on board, that you weren't that plugged in, and I could feel how much this game means to you. So I, really, I, also I sincerely you, hope it goes well. Thank you. I also have been saying for over a month that they would start 0-2. I know. You're protecting yourself. and, and it's I am actually I just you. predicting probably the future. And everyone's like, no, Mark, like you just have to be optimistic. It's like, <laughs> excuse me, um, 34 years into this Browns, like rooting for the Browns thing, 
I kind of have but a like, grasp on like impending uh, doom. But I was gonna say, like, if you already knew they were gonna go on two, why are you so passionately upset right now? I understand that's that's the struggle within a true fan. Because I, I it. it's different when it's just this thing in the clouds in August. Now it's like everyone's starting to here we come with all the laughter and the giggles. Turn and off your everyone turn with off their browns for the jokes. Night. Just watch it with the boys. I, or something. You're either gonna turn it off or I'm gonna. Make oh, a change. Oh, on those texts, the texts that could come on Thursday night. I'm not going to be or texting the tweets. people. Oh, there's tweets be a- that we're going to have to be like, hey, you got to delete this, Mark. <laughs> you got to take this down. Be like, no, I like it's not even interesting to tweet negatively about the Browns at this point. So, oh, yeah, but we'll, we'll get see. some. I'll be getting texts like, hey, have you heard from Mark? Like, is he okay? Like, because you'll, you'll <laughs> tweet it like wandering the streets with my children dragging behind me, like never returning. <laughs> like, no, <laughs> maybe. Check out our stuff on NFL.com. Greg has his great uh, end of uh, Sunday wrap-up. And do you have something else that files before week two, Greg? I got the picks. Picking games this year. Your pick them games uh, and also the network show. Power rankings are up. They go live every Tuesday morning. And uh, very excited. Me and Matt Money Smith are on the network every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific with the power ranking show. And Sizzler, you have your weekly column as well. Uh, hot or not, it's sort of just things that I think are cool, that I like, things I think should be shot into the space, mm. into deep space. I think and Eric and I are doing a little uh, weekly fantasy thing that we Ooh. basically write four minutes before we do it. So <laughs> Hot like or it. not, that's how Facebook started, right? You know, it's, Yeah. That was. Well, I hope this has a similar might be some IP. Might be an IP issue, but you guys worked that out. Okay, that's it. This is Dan Hansen signing off for Quiet Storm. The old boss, Ricky Hollywood. Hang in there, buddy. Till Thursday. If AJ Green didn't have that, like, pass interference push off and got that touchdown, like, we would have been talking completely different about the Bengals, I think. Yeah, oh, for sure. That's cool. Yeah, but, like, at the but end. Erica's right, though. Erica's right. If he would have went down the field, Burrow, and threw the game when he touched down. With that toe drop, it would have been yeah, so different. Yeah, people would have been going that. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm late. I'm late. Very important. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from undercover tourists. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from undercover tourists and authorized seller and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with undercover tourists now and save. UndercoverTourist.com Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? I got to change the oil in my car. Right now, get five quarts of Pennzoil Platinum Full Synthetic. 
with an STP extended life oil filter for only $36.99. What do I do with my old oil? We can recycle your used oil for free. And do you have oil for my old work truck? You can find the right high mileage oil to help it go farther right here at AutoZone. Get in zone, AutoZone. Restrictions apply. 